Today, I want to continue on the subject that we started on last week uh, regarding Christ. This, I want this thing about Christ to become something that you understand because like I said last week, most of you, depending on out of what church you came, um, would have learned about the law or the word uh, or the Holy Spirit, mainly about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But a lot of the churches don't focus a lot on Christ. Then you get some churches in our area that focus a lot on Christ, but they've got a whole thing that they connect with that, 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 that actually nullifies Christ. They, they, they add something to this Christ teaching that actually totally nullifies the beauty of Christ. So I want you to realize what is the difference. Why is Christ, the word Christ, Jesus' spirit, mentioned in the Bible so specifically? Um, and why Paul got the revelation of Christ? Paul didn't get the revelation of Jesus. I want you to see there's a difference between the two. Where's Jesus today? He's seated at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says. Where's Christ today? He's in you. The Bible says Christ, that spirit of Jesus, is inside of you. As when you become born again, His spirit becomes one with your spirit. Christ comes and makes His home inside of you. So I want you to get that revelation. Jesus is not in you. Living Jesus. His spirit, Christ, the risen spirit, is inside of you. Jesus, the person, is seated on the right hand of the Father. You see the difference. But we unfortunately, in, in a lot of the in our religious backgrounds, we only taught about Jesus, Jesus, living Jesus. And we never got the revelation of what does it mean about Christ. Why is he, the whole New Testament is about Christ. After you read about the book of Acts, all the letters, the focus is about Christ. Not, they don't talk about the Jesus walking on the earth anymore. If you look at the letters of Paul and them, they don't focus on Jesus' journey on the earth. The person Jesus, they don't focus on that. But today we focus on that. A lot of our teachings about how Jesus walked the earth in the, in the physical form, but it's funny, Paul didn't go there. Whenever Paul mentioned Jesus' physical journey, he, 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 he was saying something else about it, something prophetic about it. If you said Jesus spoke to the victory, he was saying something about the victory. What does it mean prophetically? Not physically cursing the victory. Alright, so whenever they spoke about Jesus in the letters of Paul, they were actually saying something spiritually about it. Okay? I understand. But today we preach Jesus, 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 Sunday for Sunday, in the natural, and there's no, no, no revelation in it anymore. So we've, we went back to actually something that was never there. We're actually only preaching about Jesus' journey on the earth, and we don't understand that we don't preach about Jesus, we preach about the resurrected Christ, the one that stepped out of the grave. That's who we serve, alright? So that's why when we when we in a time in the season where we're now December, I'm not going to talk about Christmas and cats, yes, and all that. But I want you to see the difference between clinging to Jesus, living Jesus, and knowing who's the risen Christ. Which one do you think he wants you to cling on to? Okay, think about it. There's nothing wrong with 
celebrating Christmas's birth. It's a, a man-made thing, and if you want to celebrate it, there's nothing wrong with it. That's not my point. My point is, I want you to start learning who's Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So we're going to continue that. I spoke about that last week. Started to open it up a bit for you. Now it's going to take like three or four sessions just to open it up for you to understand why we need to know who is this Christ that chooses, that chose to come and stay inside of you. Because if you choose and understand that, your sin will get less, and you will be. Your, your journey in growth will be much faster than, than you would normally walk. Okay, so let's start. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Listen very clearly to this sentence. All scripture is given of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction in righteousness. So everything is for what? Righteousness. Now we've got a lot of opinions about this righteousness, this thing that we've got to become. There's this. We, a lot of people speak about righteousness as this, this way we act, and they're right in a way, but I don't think they truly realize what does it mean. Um, this, this, this journey we're walking to become righteous. So, if you want to stay in your sin, you're going to struggle to walk in righteousness. You're not going to walk in righteousness if you stay with the sin that, that, that's, that's keeping you in bondage. It says in the next verse, that the man of God may be perfect. So this righteousness has got something to, to become perfect. Uh, Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Alright? The Holy Spirit has got in you and is nuttig tot leering, tot weerlegging, tot terechtwijsing, tot onderwijsing en die gerechtigheid. Alright? So, we really need to understand we need the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth that is called, to open the Scriptures for you. If you read your Bible in the way it's written, the normal way, lay your hands on somebody and they will get healed that's okay but that's for a child of God to understand that they don't have to know have knowledge that's just they see it and they can do it it's easy to understand but to go deep into the scripture you need the Holy Spirit to open the scripture up a baby don't need to understand everything he must see and do that's discipleship I always say copy and paste discipleship is you see if you lay your hands on somebody you pray and there's a demon the demon will manifest so then that person comes here, okay, you did it, I'm also going to do that. That's baby stuff. That's why I always say discipleship is baby stuff. Alright? It's very important, but it's still baby stuff. And you must always do that, but you must grow. You can't stay a baby. But throughout your whole journey, you will always lay your hands on people and do the, the discipleship stuff. Alright? So... We spoke about it last week. We only have one mandate in the Bible. One mandate, and that is Christ. What is the reason we do discipleship? It's so that people can grow and become more like Christ. So Christ is our mandate on this earth. Alright? To represent and only teach Christ. There's a lot of scriptures that points to that. 
we think we must teach discipleship or we think we must teach church A or church B. No, those are all part of your journey. But that's not what you teach. You teach Christ. Because if you start teaching about the things, the things will become your, your focus. I've seen it so many times in discipleship where people start seeing signs of wonders and they start teaching about demons, the type of demons or the type of healings or not healings and they go into that sidetrack and there's no more Christ in it. It's all, why are you not getting the healings? Why are you not this and why are you not that? You see how easily you get sidetracked. Our mandate is Christ. If your mandate is Christ, those things will happen and fall in place or not happen. That's not your focus. Alright. So, the Holy Scripture is given to us through the Holy Spirit. You must, must read it. And we've unfortunately have lost that in the body of Christ. Like I said, Paul's letters were never about the physical things that happened. He always used the physical things to explain something spiritually. And we don't do that anymore. We only use the natural stuff. But it says there, so it says it's for instruction in righteousness. And I want to focus this morning a lot on righteousness that you can get a clear understanding of righteousness. So if you understand righteousness after today, you will have a better understanding how to say no to the, to the enemy when he comes to present a sin or want to get you to do something that's wrong, if you understand righteousness. So, let's read about this righteousness. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 1 verse 13 What of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption and Afrikaans might be wrong is given in Christus Jesus but for ons geworden by his sake who, who became this wisdom and all this stuff maar dier hom is jylle in Christus Jesus that's, that's the focus wat vir ons gehoord het weisheid uit God gerechtigheid heiligmaking en verlossing who's the one that is that? it's Jesus what is Jesus? he says he's righteousness wisdom do you see all of that? Because we're talking about what is this righteousness. So what does that verse actually say to you? And this is what you guys must really get this morning. That verse is saying Jesus Christ is the is righteousness. So righteousness has got a name. It's not a thing. Righteousness has got a name. His name is Jesus Christ. That verse says to you, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who, this Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. He is made unto us wisdom, righteousness. So righteousness has got to know who ever listened to that song of Kerry Job where that guy goes on stage and he starts proclaiming the stuff. I'll be playing it on that. And he says there, righteousness and all that stuff has got a name. It's Jesus Christ. Do you realize now that righteousness is not a thing that you become, it's a person you must become. Because a lot of us think this is, this is a way we must act. Righteousness is not a way you act. It's a person that you become. Christ. Because if you focus on Christ, you become like Christ. Your sin will fall away. You'll be in right standing. You will be the light of the world. But we think righteousness is this 
way of acting, this way of doing things, which might be true if it is focused on Christ. So, please, after today you must remember, righteousness is Jesus. It says that in the Word. So, Romans 3.21 But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and by and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all of them that believe, for there is no difference. Okay? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being, it's funny, it says it comes short of the glory of God. What did we say? What did Paul say? Christ in you the hope of glory. We don't have the glory yet. We still miss it. And there it says it comes from the righteous, that glory that we still are looking for. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I will talk about that grace later. Because we don't understand that. But if you look at that scripture that I just read there. We see that Jesus Christ is the righteousness. He says that even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all. Now, I want to show you something about how important this is also in righteousness. Um, if we look at this scripture, when I read this, I never read this scripture before this way. When I was busy with this, um, I saw something here. I want you to see how in detail you must read your Bible. The first sentence. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. The first focus is manifested. Being witnessed. It's very important. This is being witnessed by whom? The law and the prophets. Where did that happen in the Bible? When was this witnessed? Think for a second. This actually happened in the Bible. I never read this verse that actually explains it. Let's get to that place. Matthew 17. And after six days, what day are we today? The seventh day. So after six days, it's a prophetic thing that's written here. After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up unto the high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his remnant was white as the light. So what is it saying there? Jesus went up the mountain, and when he got on the top of the mountain, he totally changed. Remember what we spoke about last week, the butterfly? He became the butterfly. That was there all along, the worm, the butterfly was always in the worm, but you couldn't see the butterfly. Now all of a sudden, here yeah, Jesus always had this glory inside of him, and all of a sudden when he was on top of the mountain, he started shining like a light. Okay, So you need to understand he was truly shining like a light in front of them. All right. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah. Right? Taking with me, uh, 
Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Okay, he wanted to build them a little tabernacles, actually speaking about the free feast of trumpets, but I don't want to go into that now. While he yet spoke, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man. Now, he took these three guys up the mountain. Jesus, I'm going to go back to the previous verse. I really want you guys to see what is happening here. Jesus went up the mountain with these three guys, the same three guys who always took on a special journey. Why did I always say, why did he take these three people always separately? Because I personally think they seeked him more. They had a bit of a deeper relationship with him. He didn't like them all. They had a deeper relationship with the Lord because those three were always taken separately. Always those three in the same order. He takes them up the mountain. He gets to the top of the mountain. And this whole thing happened. And he actually physically changed. He became like a light bulb. He shone brightly. Moses got a fright. He didn't understand what he was seeing. Uh, not Moses, Peter. He got a fright. Moses was standing there and Elijah. These guys have been dead for hundreds of years. You know, all of a sudden these two guys stand here. But what are these two guys looking at? Moses and Elijah. What are they witnessing? What did I say here? Romans 1. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Who's manifesting here? Jesus. Being witnessed by who? Those are the two guys standing there witnessing Jesus becoming like a bright light. Even Jesus' clothes, everything turned white. But there's two guys witnessing this like we just read. And it's those two guys, most of the time. Why those two guys? Out of the Old Testament, why didn't Daniel stand there or Joseph or Noah or whoever the big names? Why are they not on the top of the mountain? Why those two? Moses represents, in the Old Testament, your Bible says the law. Your Bible says Moses is like the, is the Messiah of the law, the Old Testament. That's why he took them through the Red Sea. Now Jesus takes you through baptism. Alright? Elijah? Prophet. So Moses, the person of the law, the Old Testament, Elijah, the prophet, are witnessing what is taking place in this manifestation of Jesus Christ. What did this verse say? The law and the prophets. It did happen. Do you see how awesome the Bible is written? The law and the prophet did witness it on top of the mountain. I'm going to read this Afrikaans. Maar nou is die gerechtigheid van God geopenbaar sonder die wet, terwijl die wet en die profete daarvan getuig. They had to see when they were on top of the mountain Moses that were proclaiming this thing throughout his life, the prophet Elijah, they had to come and witness this Jesus that they were proclaiming. So they got on top of the mountain, the Lord brought them there, and they had to see with their own eyes Jesus manifesting 
because he's the one to fulfill this the law and the prophets so what do we cling on today the law the prophets no jesus because it says here in this next verse that i showed you um he says in verse 5 why he spoke behold a bright cloud overshadowed him and behold a voice out of the cloud which said this is my beloved son so it's the father speaking about jesus and he says this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased that this is my beloved son to there and in whom i'm well pleased it's the same things he said when jesus got baptized when jesus got out of the water he said this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased when jesus got baptized but here he added a thing that wasn't said in the baptism here he him in afrikaans uh leister why did he add that on top of the mountain it was never said anywhere else the prophet and the law just witnessed that there's only one way there's only one person that can bring redemption that is righteousness that is going to save the world and his name is jesus christ and he had to be in his manifest form if i can put it that way that's the only way he's going to be able to do what he needs to be what needs to be done is when he's changed and transfigured into that white being full of why did he turn white what made him turn white even his clothes the glory when he received the full glory jesus turned white as a light bulb paul said christ in you the hope of glory i don't see any of you shining like a white bulb at the moment but what's going to happen one day with you think about it what is that glory that hope that's inside of you going to do with you one day not when you fly away when you're still here when you're still here so do you understand this this is very very prophetic to understand that the law had to come and witness christ the prophets had to come and witness christ because your bible says they jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets and that's why we have so many religious ways of thinking because this one said yes it's 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 there but it's not finished yet and this one says no we've got to add this no no we don't add anything to christ we only listen to christ we don't add the law we don't add the prophets we listen to christ that's why his father said now after the law and the prophets witnessed him now listen to him laster no home why are you saying laster relationship not doctrine not teachings relationship it's a relational thing that we walk into now let's look at romans Romans 3:21 But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest being witnessed by the law and prophets okay so now you understand there those are the two that had to come and witness what happened on top of the mountain it's a prophetic act that needed to take place and Lord saw that it did take place he didn't say something to Bible and he thought oh, I'm going to leave it I'm not going to worry about it there's so much detail in the word it did happen all right so 
when these two witnessed Jesus standing there, his clothes turned white, his hair turned white. You can go read Revelations 1, it happens there again. His hair turned white, his whole being turned white. And when the law, Moses, and the prophet Elijah saw this, they disappeared. Why did they disappear? Why didn't they worry about staying in Moses' little houses he wanted to build? Because it's done, it's finished. What they had to come and witness is finished. Jesus proclaimed it on the cross and said it's finished. They came and acted it out to show that it is finished. Alright, you understand the difference? When Jesus said on the cross it's finished, he meant it's finished in the spirit, but they still had to walk it out on the earth. You are a bride of Christ. I can't see it now, but you're walking it out until the day it will show that you are his bride. Alright? But it's already finished, you're already his bride if you walk in his fullness. Alright? The same thing. But they had to come and see it and then they disappeared. Moses wanted to build houses because he thought there's something going to happen here like we always do today. And as soon as something happens and miracles happen, we want to start a church. But Lord said, no, it's not about that. Alright? So, you must realize that is why we only preach Christ. The risen Christ. Because it is so important to know this because the law had to witness it and the prophets had to witness this thing happening. Christ being glorified. Alright? If you read further, he actually says to Peter and John and then he says, you're not allowed to say any, any of this, tell any of this to anybody until it's a time. When was the time? When he stepped out of the grave, he stepped out in his glorified body in fullness. Alright? But it wasn't the time yet. He gave them a glimpse. So, if you're in a relationship, you follow the, the person that's speaking to you. You don't follow a belief system. Alright? So it's very important. So, I said the teachings regarding righteousness. Remember what we said about righteousness? It's a person. So, teachings regarding righteousness, it's teachings of Christ and not of your religious beliefs. Alright, how to become more righteous. You get books that says, how to become more righteous. Please don't read those books. It's not going to help you anything. You need to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Then you will become righteous automatically out of your relationship. Alright, that's how you become. If you want to read books and see how, how many rules you must follow to do this or how many methods there are to do this or traditions, follow your traditions, you're going to struggle. You're truly going to struggle. Um, I said to some people pushes their belief system, what they believe and their doctrine. But what they don't realize is the more they push their doctrine that they believe in, or the methods or their traditions, they're actually moving away from, from Christ more and more. Because those methods and traditions become their focus and not Christ. If you push your doctrine or your belief, what you believe, you're going to make huge mistakes. And it shows that you are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You haven't stepped into your relationship. Um, a lot of people think if they are saved, they can sin. A lot of you have asked me that question over the years. So I'm saved, so now I can still sin because I'm going to heaven. Okay? A lot of you ask me. See, some are smiling because they know they've asked me the question. 
My friend, if you believe that you can sin and you're still going to heaven, you're going to have problems. If your thinking is about going to heaven, you're already missing it. Because nowhere in the Bible is heaven teach to go to. It's an automatic place where you will end up if you follow Christ. We don't preach heaven and hell. We preach Christ. So if your mindset is, oh, I can still do sin A and B because I'm saved and I've got grace. The Bible says if you use grace to sin, you're crucifying Christ again. And it's not a sentence written in your Bible to sound good, oh, you're crucifying Christ again. It means you're literally, actually physically crucifying Christ again. So everything he went through on that day when he was crucified, you causing him to, to go back to that day because he's sinning again. You're abusing your grace. And yes, you will end up in heaven. But you will hurt everybody on the earth that love you. But you will not be in his kingdom. And some of you should know what the difference is between the two because I've spoken about it a lot. If you keep sinning and you save, you will go to heaven. But you will not feature in his kingdom. No. Because he says his kingdom is not for people that still stays in that. So it's your responsibility to take that grace that you are saved in and to stop sinning. It's up to you. The Holy Spirit will help you if you stay there. Alright, it's not a it's not a get out of jail ticket grace. Alright. Let's continue. Galatians 5 verse 4. Christ is to come of no effect unto you. This is what this that I just explained to you. This is what your Bible says. Christ is to come of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So it says here, you that say, I can still do this sin and I'm okay. I can still do that sin and I'm okay. I hear that a lot. So this verse is for those people. It says here, So you choose what you want to do. That's why I said you will not function in his kingdom. It doesn't say you can be about heaven yet. Jelle het van die genade verval. You think you're using the grace and it's good for you. You know you've lost the grace. Want ons verwacht dier die geest uit die geloof die gerechtigheid waarop ons hoop. But what are we hoping for? Christ in us, the hope of glory. Because we want to function in His kingdom. See how many times that word, hope and faith, there's hope. How many times is used in your Bible and Paul's the one that said, I've got the answer to this hope. It's Christ that's inside of you. Now, this one. What revelation did Paul get? There is it. Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest in his saints. To whom God would make known that is the riches of the glory. Alright, so it's again about the glory that's going to come. And this is as Christ in you, the hope of glory. So there's a deep thing that he's saying there regarding this. What is this hope? Christ. That hope that gets mentioned over and over and over 
that needs to be witnessed, that needs to be seen, this righteousness. It's got a name. It's Christ. Where is He now? Inside of you. That hope is inside of you. As a human being that is in relationship with the Lord, Christ is inside of you. If you get the revelation of Christ being inside of you, I'm telling you, you will sin less. When you do things that you know you should not do, and you know He's inside of you, and He's doing this with you, you will think twice about doing things. If you don't think twice, you are still being ruled by the enemy, or by me, myself, and I. One of the two. And it shows me your relationship is, you're not working on your relationship, because if you're in a relationship, you will honor Christ and not the enemy or yourself. Because if you keep on doing sin, you're honoring yourself more than you're honoring Christ, you're crucifying Him again, and you're honoring the enemy. You're actually saying to Him, He's your Father now. He's your Daddy. And not Abba Father that you should have when you're in Christ. So, everything I said today, righteousness has got a name. Jesus Christ. Hope has got a name. It's Jesus Christ. To get to the righteousness, you've got to know there's hope for you. And that hope is a person that's growing inside of you, Christ. You are growing with Him inside of you. So that one day, that hope, which is Jesus Christ, like I just said here, will become visible in you. How did it become visible in Jesus? Remember what I said, Jesus, the person, he was a human being, when his hope, his spirit was glorified, he was shining. The person Jesus was shining like a light. This is you. That's how we look today. But that same spirit that he had here is now in you, here. So what's going to happen one day with you here? You're going to shine like light on the day of the Lord. What if you've never heard this in your life? Because why? Like the baptism, Jesus did it so that we can see how it's done. We know the baptism, Jesus went into the water, he, he took your sin, He got baptized, and He got filled with the Holy Spirit in the water. Okay? You are no different than Jesus in your natural body. He had a natural body like yours. And this happened with this natural body of His. Everything Jesus did in your Bible on the three and a half years that He stayed on this earth, you're going to do spiritually. Baptism, you did the physical baptism. He showed you, this is how you baptize somebody. And then after He did it, He showed Peter and Peter and they all did it that way. He walked out and was glorified in His body, in His physical body. When He got glorified, He showed you this. That spirit that glorified Jesus after the cross chose to come and stay inside of you. 
So what's going to happen one day with that spirit that shows that without a being you're going to stay inside of you today, the hope of glory, it's going to shine one day again. It's going to do exactly the same that Jesus did here. Alright, I know for some people it sounds weird, they might, you might have never have heard of this, but we will continue about this so that you can understand it fully. Don't make up your mind yet, because you only heard part of it yet. Like I always say, you don't say no if you don't know the whole story on both sides. Alright, so, it's actually very easy to understand if you realize everything Jesus did, He did for a reason so that we can see it's okay if we have to go through it, because He did it and nothing happened with Him. There's not one thing you're going to do. Even your struggles you go through today, your persecution you go through today, with friends and family, you went through it. You can't go and say, oh Jesus, you don't know what I'm going through. He saw to it that he, go, he went through every single thing you are going through. Even your spiritual growth, he went through that. He had to grow in the natural. He was a little boy when he ran on the ground and there was a stone. He, he knocked his stone on the stone or whatever. He bled. And mommy had to come and clean it. He was a normal person like you and me. But he did the spiritual stuff so that we can see, okay, we can do the same. Because that's why he used baptism as a, as a perfect example. The way he did it is exactly the way in Acts 2, Peter said we must do it now. When Jesus did that, nobody received the Holy Spirit, only He did, in the, in the baptism. And nobody said anything about it until Peter and Acts 2 came and said, Now be baptized into Jesus Christ and you will receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Where did Peter see that happen? When Jesus was, was baptized. And obviously in the 40 days Jesus taught them that. Because that's why they teach that from there on onwards. Alright, but I want you to see that I don't want you to have this pale expression on your face when I talk about this. I want you to get excited that He's actually going to use me if I allow Him. It's something to get excited about that this Christ inside of me is not there sleeping. It's waiting for you to become righteous, to become like Christ. The more you become like Christ, the more He can use you. He cannot use you if you stay in your sin. So it proves that righteousness is a name. I'm just going to read this. Galatians 5.5 5. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope. So I'm reading this to you. For we, sitting here, uh, through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, wait for the hope. I said hope's got a name, Jesus Christ, of righteousness. We read again, for the, we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness. By faith, we do it by faith. You're sitting here by faith, trusting in Jesus to return, to manifest again. You do it by faith, because you've got no clue what's going to happen or not. You don't even know if it's real. You're also following by faith. We're following Christ by faith. We've got no guarantees. But do you see here, it, hope is mentioned in, in Galatians as righteousness. It's the same thing, just a different angle that you approach, but it's the same person. 
And we read it in 1 Corinthians 1 27. It's Christ. So stop thinking that I have to become this certain way. You've got to become like Christ. It's easy to see. It's not a weird way you've got to become. It's not something difficult in the sense that you don't know what should you become. If you read your Bible, the physical way Jesus acted on this earth for those three and a half years, that's what you must become. Like Him. But we will only one day on the day of the Lord be fully like Him. Alright, you're not going to become fully like Him now. We are still on this journey. It is finished at the cross. You must remember when Jesus was on the cross and He said it's finished, He saw you and me glorified. And He said it's done. But we don't see it yet because He can see to the end of time. We can't. In His eyes it's done. He's already seen you glorified. Those that stop their sinning and are walking in a relationship with Him. The rest is there. They're not going to do anything. And the others, they're gone. But He saw you glorified and He said it's finished. He doesn't just talk about your sin and all that. We always just preach about when it's finished, about the sin. And he said it's finished, my spirit can stay in man now. Not in the temple anymore, in man. So what a plan for the spirit that it's going to do in man to glorify his son. It's done. It's finished. And he's waiting for that to play out in the fullness of time in us. But we're still hoping for that to happen. That's why Paul said the hope of glory. So I've hammered on this thing now a lot. But you must understand why Paul and only Paul got the revelation of Christ being inside of you. We're still hoping for it to happen. You should get excited and realize why the enemy is coming for you. When you become born again, why is the enemy attacking you? Because he doesn't want you to step into realizing what is this hope inside of you. Because if he can keep you in your sin, the hope is not going to manifest in you. You're going to miss it. So that's why the enemy will always try to get you to not know who you are. If you know who you are, the enemy can come and you can tell him to go, go away. And it's going to be hard. But we preach Christ, not your belief system, not our church's belief system. We preach Christ because if you are in Him, you will become righteous. If you are in Him, you will walk out the hope and the truth and the wisdom and everything is in Him. Alright. You know all the names of God in the Old Testament? Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, Nishi, all those names? Jesus says, I fulfilled all those names. That's why we don't have to use all those names anymore. Those names, all of them in the Old Testament became one name. Jesus Christ. He said, I took all those names in me. And He said, I actually lived them out. Each meaning of each name, and I want to go into that now, that's the whole teaching on its own. But each name of God, Jehovah Jireh, is provision. He, he did the bread and the fish. He showed, he took that name of God and he acted it out on the earth. And he said, I'm that. Me. The person Jesus Christ said, I'm Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Each name of God, he took it and he acted on it. That's why we must stop having these 
we have believers and we think these things are the things they it's a person and you need to fall in love with that person then you will have your spiritual growth in your relationship with him then you can stand against the attack of the enemy when the enemy comes you are prepared to stand and the lord will do the fighting but if you are not there you will stand the enemy will come and you will fight the enemy and if you fight the enemy you're going to lose you should stand and the enemy comes and the lord fights because you know he's there not you you're going to get very tired very quickly if you want to fight all right